you know, as when you have children, I mean, I've already, when my kids were toddlers, I was already thinking about what's going to happen the day that they leave the house. You know, it's not necessarily a fun moment for parents. I think, well, I actually met a lady yesterday who was, she was like, oh, my kids are out of the house. Praise God. You know, but, um, you know, but there's a, you know, I know my parents uh, hated seeing me leave the house and and I know I'll probably be the same way with my kids. And um, hopefully Josiah will live in the basement. He's already said he was going to. He's not leaving. He said he's going he's gonna to hunt for the family. I'm the, I was actually praying for his wife yesterday. I was like, Lord, give him a wife that just keeps him straight. So, uh, But Greg and Brittany have, uh, are just amazing. And their hearts for God is contagious and their son and daughter of the house, and they're going to Mozambique, and whenever you send out family, you don't, um, it's just basically um, increasing your, our reach in the world, awakening. It's like, we've got family in Mozambique now, along with Nick and Marlene, but especially with with Greg and Brittany, who have truly been a part of this house, and so the awakening, um, this is this is a part of us in Mozambique, Africa. And when, whenever we send family out, it creates connection and um, in parts of the world that we may not, or other towns and cities in the state and wherever we are that we may not have had before. And so, but, uh, so it's exciting. It's, it's, um, it spreads our wings as a church, and we're, we're really uh, excited about that. And um, I'm going to let Greg said he... He wanted to share something, so I'll let him. So this is like, this is pretty sad for me. I mean, I'm just thinking about the future, like what does Sundays look like in Tete? It's not going to look like this for us. And so it's like, I'm like, you know, I mean, it, it's totally emotional, man. This, so just some stuff about this house. And when I say this house, you know, it's led by a man who loves Jesus. And then I have a lot of brothers and sisters who come around me that love Jesus. And like this house is like, yeah, it's, Dinky building, but there was one time when the Lord spoke to me right there. Um, this is the second time I've ever heard the Lord's voice, and we were during, it was during worship. Kyle Maloney was leading worship, and God said, and I, I think some of y'all might know this, but he spoke to me in King James tongue, and he said, I am the one who dwelleth in the temple. And, you know, just during worship, you know, we feel like a lot of times that we go into the temple to worship, but I think the Lord was really speaking to me that I am the temple and then he comes inside of me, which is like the flip side of like what Jessica was talking about, the jello. And it's like back and forth. And so the Lord spoke to me right there. I've just had so many testimonies. Like the, the, so right before me and Brittany came here in October, whenever the fall of 2003 years ago, um, I just read Acts and I was like, Lord, I want to see. Like this is, the, this is what I want to, like this is Jesus. This is like heaven on earth, this is real faith, and so it's like the first time I came here, John Tran gave a testimony of going on the street, praying for a dude who had a bum ankle, and the guy walked away healed, do you remember that, and so that was the first, I was like, okay, I didn't just read this in a book, this man just like testified to that, and so later that week, I was still in college, and I was on my bike, and I was riding to class from Pineview, and my knee was jacked up, 
and I was, every time I pedaled, it would hurt. And so I'm like, well, John Tran, like I'm reading Acts, John Tran prayed for this guy, and I'm like, each time I like pedal, it's like killing my knee, and I'm like, I'm gonna pray for my knee right now. I'm riding to class at five points right before the Golden Pantry to take a ride on Lumpkin. I pray for my knee and nothing happens, and then I really feel like I'm like, I gotta put my hand on my knee. So I'm riding my bike, <laughs> and I'm praying, I'm just like, Ugh. and it, the moment I let my hand go, no more pain, and I just started riding, and so like, the, the, the Lord is really, it's, Jesus just does that with faith. I was just reading like, God tells the guy to get up and walk and take his mat, and he says, according to your faith, you are healed. And so, John, according to John's faith, that is totally in Jesus. And so, like, the awakening has just been so many things to me and Brittany, um, so many real things, so many godly things, so many biblical things, um, just over and over and over. Another thing that's been a real encouragement to me is one day I had a birthday party, a surprise birthday party, and this has, like, been probably one of the greatest blessings in my life. Toddy, we are all sitting in Cali and Tito's eating tacos, and Toddy just, like, interrupts, man, and she goes, let's, let's all, like, say what our favorite thing about Greg is. That, to me, was just, like, when I started hearing people's hearts for me, you know, a lot of stuff goes unsaid and can go unsaid for years, but this community has showed me that, like, stuff doesn't go unsaid. Like, we speak it out. Like, and we live it out. And Toddy did that to me, and I was just like, whoa. And because she's done that, I've been able to do that at other people's parties. And it's just over and over, I've just, like, experienced the blessing of the Lord through this place. And it, like, takes faith. Like, it always is going to take faith. Um, but I, I was just praying for us last night, and I just wrote a couple of things down I wanted to share. Um, so... One thing is, um, I did have, also had a dream of Travis. This is when we first, I just want to share you all this stuff because we're about to go and I don't want to leave stuff unsaid. <laughs> and so I know we got like, so I don't want to take a bunch of time, but so it was this, the, but I went here once, Brittany went here first and then she's like, hey, you, we, we, you need to come here. And so we started coming here. This, before the second time I went, I had a dream on a Friday. And I had a dream in this building. Travis was preaching. All of us were here. And all of a sudden, in all four corners of the room, this gold light started shining. And it just got brighter and brighter. Travis was the first one, and he started being taken up. But he didn't quit preaching. He kept preaching. And then all of us began to get taken up. And I remember... I was struck with such fear of the Lord trembling that I couldn't even look around, but I wanted to see oh, who's, who's getting left behind. But in my, spirit, in my spirit, I knew no one was getting left behind. The whole house was being taken up. And it, before everyone hit the roof, my dream ended. And so, like, you know, I'm just thinking about that. that was a, I think one thing is that Travis will not, he will not quit preaching the good news, the, the truth of Jesus um, until he's taken up. And so I want you guys to get behind that with him and for him and for us. And, um, and also, like, we just saw Matt and Sissy yesterday. Uh, some of y'all might not know Matt and Sissy. Matt's, like, he's super close to me. Um, and when I, like, hugged him and he left, I mean, I'm just literally thinking, like, am I not going to see him again until the kingdom? 
And I know that's like might sound dramatic, but man, like that's like really what I'm like, am I going to like, and so like, I just want us to like focus on the Lord and just like know that like his truth, like Taylor was like singing about, like it's, it's going to happen. Like all of his promises are going to be fulfilled. And uh, yeah, I just like, I'm just so blessed by my three years of being here and Brittany, like I know she has a lot to say too, but like I've just been activated as a son and it's it's like not fair like the blood of Jesus is not fair that like I can be introduced to the father as sinless it's not a proper introduction but it's like what he does and it's like what he's doing for our body and our house and the bride and so last thing I was praying last night for our church I saw a vision of the of us and we were we were the bride and it was a vision from the father looking down at his bride and his bride, we were dancing and it was just one person. It, but and all I could see was the dress and the dress was totally out dancing in circles full of joy. And I just like, that's like who we are, um, that we really dance before the Lord with joy. And I feel like that the awakening, you know, that's what we call ourselves. Ultimately, it's just everyone's name. And we are like, our gift is the joy of the Lord. Like, that's who we are. We're just a joyful people. And we're joyful because of the gospel, because of the truth of Jesus. And so I just want to, like, man, I just, I don't even know what to do. I just, like, I'm just thankful. And I know there's, I just, again, I don't want stuff to go unsaid. And I'm really thankful, y'all, um, that the Lord is going to continue to just do mighty things in this, in this place. I'm just one dude. There's a lot more people. So that's, that's it. That's what I got to share. Well, let's come up and we're going to pray for them and gather around them. Father, we, we know that you sent Jesus into this world as a word from heaven. And Lord, we, do, we send Greg and Brittany into Mozambique as a word from heaven, God. Lord, that they would be like Jesus and represent the love of the Father. So, Lord, we pray your blessings upon them, Father. We declare a strong wind behind them, Father. Strong wind, Father, mighty rushing wind behind them, Father. We declare grace, momentum, and strength in the name of the Lord. Lord, you send your only Father, I know, that sends his sons and daughters into battle because you're so confident of who you are. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, make Greg and Brittany like arrows in your quiver, Father. Pull them up beside your cheek and release them. Aim them wherever you want them to go, Father. And, Lord, we declare they hit their target. They hit their target, Father. And we thank you for that, Jesus. 
Father, I pray that you would give them the ability to leap over a wall and bend the bow of bronze, Father. That they can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens them. Lord, that in their weakness they are strong. That your grace is sufficient. And Lord, that they are going to discover the treasures of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit in a way they've never imagined before, Lord. I thank you that they're going from glory to glory and from faith to faith. We declare the blessing of the Lord upon them in Jesus' name. We declare that the Lord bless them and keep them and cause the light of his face to shine upon them. Lord, that you be gracious to them. Lord, that you lift up your countenance over them and give them peace. And we declare this in Jesus' name. And everybody say, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all can be seated. You know, um, if Taylor's in here, I want to thank him for singing O Holy Night because the Christmas songs are so powerful. And whenever, um, you know, God calls us warriors, he calls us in the war. You're in a war whether you like it or not. You're a warrior whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or whether you feel like one. It's just, these are the facts. Your father's a warrior you're made in his image. Now, some of us have different weapons of warfare. Some of us are intercessors. That's, that's what we, God has called us to devote the majority of our time to. Some of us are pastoral. Some of us are evangelists. Some of us are prophetic people. Some of us are servant-hearted. We, we work a lot with our hands. And, and so you, we all have different weapons of warfare, but we're all called, everybody is called first and foremost to be worshipers. That's your first calling, no matter who you are, no matter what your personality is, no matter what your gift makeup is, you're called to be a worshiper. And that's what I am first and foremost. That's what God's always called me to be. I, I used to work at Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. I was a beach lifeguard for two summers and I would walk out on these remote parts of the beach where there wasn't any lights when there was a full moon. And I wasn't walking with Jesus then, but I would sing my favorite songs, which was uh, happened to be a lot of Ray Charles and Bill Withers at the time. And 
I was, I remember I just singing at the top of my lungs in the dark under the moonlight. And years after, whenever um, I'd given my life and surrendered to Jesus, I said, God, what were those times of, what was singing Ray Charles under the moonlight about? He says, you're learning how to worship. You're learning, because I was giving my whole heart. I was, I was singing with all of my strength. He said, you were learning how to worship. He also told me, he said, uh, when I, again, when I first started walking with him, he's, I used to be, I grew up, died in the wool, Georgia Bulldog fan. And this was back when you didn't have DVR. So like when the game was on, you were uh, stepping over dead bodies to get there. I mean, that's really was kind of the attitude. Anybody have remotely an idea of what I'm talking about, where you're just like obsessed with it and all that kind of stuff? Well, that was kind of my family. And, uh, and so when I, I had given my life to Jesus, he, he said, I want you to worship me like you worship at the Georgia Bulldog Games. And so I thought about, how did I worship at the Georgia Bulldog Games? Well, there's many times I was sunburned, lost my voice, was sick, not from drinking, but from giving, literally, like giving my body for that game. And there was one time when we were in Fort Worth, and we were, it was worship, and I was dancing so hard, I soaked through my jeans with sweat. And I was about to throw up. I sat down, and, and I was literally, I was just like shaking from weakness, and Jessica's like, you okay? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going I'm to make it. And I remember I told God, I said, I did it. <laughs> I did it, God. I worshiped as hard as I have in Sanford Stadium. And the Lord's just like, attaboy. Attaboy. But that's what you're called to do. You're a worshiper. That's what you're called to do. And this is what happens. This is what happens this morning. In Isaiah 42, verses 10, 11, 10 through 12, it says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and those who dwell on them, let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voices their settlements where Kedar inhabits, and the inhabitants of Selah sing aloud. Let them shout for joy from the tops of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise to the coastlands. So those three verses are about just straight up worship and praise. Okay? Look at verse 13. This is what happens when we worship and praise. Verse 13. The Lord will go forth like a warrior. He will arouse his zeal like a man of war. He will utter a shout. Yes, he will raise a war cry, and he will prevail against his enemies. I had, I've had visions of where the enemy had ranks of demons. on. It was a battlefield. And we were, and the children of God had no weapons. And all we were doing, we were on a hillside above the battlefield, and we were just worshiping even unaware of the devil and his 
horde, the, the demonic army. And then we were worth, and every time somebody would laugh or some, somebody would shout, somebody would praise, it was like, huh, it was burning the demon's ears. They'd be like, no, and it would drive them away. We didn't have any weapons. We didn't have, you know, shields and armor and all this kind of stuff. No, obviously, Ephesians 6 says that there is, there is armor that we wear. Uh-oh, my... Strength training emails coming through there. Um, I'm a personal trainer, bivocationally. So, uh, where was I? I just I got pecs. All right, so, yeah, okay. So, where's this? You're, you're worshiping. You're worshiping. I also had a in Psalm 37. Verse uh, 15, it says, the sword of the enemy that is raised against you will pierce his own heart. And I've had it where I was on the battlefield and this orc-like thing from Lord of the Rings raised a sword up. And I caught it and I just went right back into his heart. And that sword, and, and words are like swords. And whether it's for evil or for good, you have a sword in your mouth. Why do you think it says when Jesus is coming back that there's a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. He's going to strike his enemies down by his word. He's going to look at his enemies and say, fall, and they will fall. And so your words are so powerful. There's, there's narratives. There's, lots, there's thousands of narratives in the world that are vying for your attention. That's why this whole message, the narrative of Jesus Christ is called the gospel, which means good news. It's the good news. It's the good news. And so our, our faith comes by hearing, and that's why words are so powerful. You know, the, the question is not whether you have a sword. The question is, who's your enemy? That's the question. It's not whether or not you have a sword. But who are you raising that sword against? Are you raising it against the devil? And Isaiah, uh, the chapter slip in my mind, but it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You're more than a conqueror. It says any weapon formed, formed against you shall, shall not prosper. But it says the, the tongue that rises up against you in accusation, you shall condemn. It means you, you come against the word of accusation. You come, you come against the word of condemnation with the word of the Lord that actually condemns that word. And so your words are like swords. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, there is one who speaks rashly, which that word rashly means angrily or thoughtlessly, like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So there's a, tongue, there's a sword that brings healing. There's a sword... That brings division, that brings wounding. And uh, the Lord wants us to have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's what needs to be in our, in our mouth. So Matthew chapter 12, we're going to read this. It says in verses 33 through 37, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Now, Jesus is preaching to the, the Pharisees. 
And when he says either make the tree bad and its fruit bad, or the tree good and its fruit good, what do you think he's talking about? Remember, he's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking about don't be hypocritical. Like, be who you are. (laughs) Part of the reason the Pharisees couldn't come to Jesus is because they tried to be somebody they weren't. They tried to... They tried to be righteous, but they're not really righteous. Jesus said you can't enter the kingdom of God unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. So what did he mean? The Pharisees held every measure of the law. They they kept it, and even they made up laws to keep. So what was Jesus talking about? He's like, unless you're perfect, your righteousness isn't going to exceed the Pharisees. Is that possible to be perfect? No. No. What he's doing is he's setting you up. He's like, your righteousness can only come from God. Your righteousness can only come from me. That's the only way your righteousness will exceed that of the Pharisees. Because they represent the most human striving can do. This is what human strength, this is what human striving will accomplish. Is everything looking on the good on the outside, but your heart being evil. God is the only one that has the power to change a heart. And so he said, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So Jesus said that the Pharisees were vipers, Because they tried to behave in a holy manner, but their mouths were full of poison and deceit, bitterness. Now, this is something that we need to be aware of is that when we stand before Jesus, one of the things that we will be held accountable for is is the words that we use. Jesus made it very clear right there. This is our words are extremely powerful. Careless words, Um, he says every careless word, this is King James Version says every idle word. So some of you heard about, you know, beware of idle words. This word careless just means lazy, useless, inactive, unintentional. And and so when we are just um, speaking out of a place without thought of who we're talking to or who are, you know, my children... If I, if, I, if I let loose, um, if I kept my mouth just loose around my children, I would, I would wound them in the sense of, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Because why do you, why do you uh, when you unroll the toilet paper, you slap the toilet paper and it's, you're using 10 feet of toilet paper. You don't need to do that. I mean, that's kind of what's going on in my head, but I, I, I got to come up to them and say, hey, uh, hey, buddy. You just need like two sheets. <laughs> but if I'm thoughtless, careless with my words, I'm like, why are you doing that? Where are you, like a little kid or something? <laughs> yeah, Dad, I am a little kid. <laughs> and so you have to take time to, even, even with our kids, you know, we've learned over the years 
hey, is there, even to help them try to discover that answer for themselves, like, is there a reason why you're using 10 feet of toilet paper? <laughs> and then you find out, it's like, they don't want their hand to touch what might be there. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, so you really are afraid of, like, that getting on your hand. I understand that. Well, you know what? You can be just as safe. Hey, I'll give you, I'll give you three squares. <laughs> Let me show you how to fold the toilet paper. And you can use it more than once. I mean, it might be t TMI, right? By the back. <laughs> so you have to, that's part of what, but if, you know, if I treated it, if, with just what was, I go in there and I see a pile of toilet paper. It, you got to have self-control. That's what Jesus has come to give you. He says he's not giving you a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. So Holy Spirit gives you that. Because my, especially as a parent, what you speak and declare over your kids is so important. But you start that right now wherever you're at, whether you're a college student, whether you're single, whatever, you start stewarding your words. So every night over, when we go to bed, we have affirmations. I tell my kids, I say, you're a world changer. And, you know, sometimes they act like they don't get anything I'm saying to them. But I know I was that way with my parents where they said something, I was probably like, yeah, okay. Can I, can I go? But I remembered what they said. And so, you know, most every night, I'm not, we don't do it every single night, but we do it a lot. We say, I am blessed. This is our Psalm 1 is like the psalm over our children. It said, how blessed is a man who does not walk in the way of the wicked nor stand in the seat of, in the, uh, seat of sinners or walk with uh, scoffers. And it goes on to talk about delighting yourself in the, in the word of the Lord. And so that first word of Psalm 1 is blessed. And so we say, I am blessed. I am happy. I am generous. I am kind. I work hard. I have God's strength inside of me. I hear God's voice. God has a wonderful purpose for my life. Because their words are powerful. And, and these are things that you, you, you hear them enough, you're going to believe them. Because faith comes by what? Hearing. So I want my children to believe that. And so we want to get rid of careless words. James, he says, no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. There's been a lot of cursing of men lately, the past year and a half. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Holy Spirit, so the only way you can tame this thing called your tongue is the Holy Spirit's got to have access to it. So how does Holy Spirit get access to it? How do you yield your speech to the Holy Spirit? It starts with 
the same way you do a lot of other things. You practice. You practice. And, and so, first of all, you got to know what his word says to put in your mouth. So that's, that's step one. Become familiar with God's promises, what his word says. And then it needs to just start coming out of your mouth. And so you declare these things. It's just like with my kids. There's, there's sometimes I'm, you know, I'm, pl- I'm putting just out of bed and we go through our, our declarations. God's in good mood. I'm blessed. I'm happy. And uh, Josiah's like, Dad. And I, I think we're about to have like this awesome dad-son moment. He's like, you remember in Guardians of the Galaxy? When Rocket Raccoon went, oh, yeah. <laughs> listen, listen to this. Oh, yeah. I was like, you got it, son. Did you hear a word I said? I don't think so. Yeah, hey, all right. <laughs> and so how, do you, how many of y'all remember when uh, Jesse preached on declarations and we had the clickers? Okay. What is that? That clicking, you know, for me, it was like striking an arrow in the ground. Anybody ever read that story about Elisha, the counsel he gave the king? He said, strike the arrow in the ground. And the king struck it three times. And he was like, is that good? And Elisha was like, man, why'd you only do three times? So if you would have struck it more, you would have routed them. And so every time I, I always thought of that click, strike the ground, strike the ground. It says the word of God. Is like a fire and it's like a hammer that breaks the rock. That's what that's in Jeremiah. It's like a fire and it's like a hammer that breaks the rock. So you just ching, ching, ching. So think, think there's this big marble slab up here. And we're just going to talk about yourself right now. And you've got a chisel. And you make, you make a declaration of yourself. I am God's son with whom he is well pleased. Ching. And you just start creating this person out of this marble, this Michael, this David Michelangelo of who God's created you to be. But you gotta you gotta chink away at that old stuff that's hiding you, that's hiding the true you. And part of your, your declarations help chink away at that. Or chip away. That might be a better way to say that. Chink away. Just chink away. So you declare the truth over yourself. You declare the truth over others. Winston Churchill said, we are masters of the unsaid words, but slaves of those we let slip out. Proverbs talks a lot about don't be hasty to like let everybody know how much of a genius you are. That's my paraphrase. But listen, that the wise person is the one who listens to wisdom. Now, who has wisdom? Jesus. The wise person is the one who listens to wisdom. It says, there's more hope for a fool than one who thinks he is wise in his own eyes. So do you ever arrive at wisdom? No. The wise person is the one who's always listening to the wise person. Jesus. That is wisdom. James 4 says, do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. 
There's only one lawgiver and judge. This is what Jessica was talking about. She got down off the throne, seated at the right hand of the Father. The one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are we to judge our neighbor? There's only one judge. A few years ago, I've told this story before, but it's worth telling again. When I was working at the Omni, I was just having some conflict with management over different things. I won't go into that detail, but there was, I felt like my identity was being attacked a little bit. And I was just in my car before I went into work and I was praying. And I, the Lord gave me this vision and I was this little brand new, brand spanking new baby, red wrinkly skin. And the father was holding me against his chest and I was just, I was just laying against his chest just like a newborn. And it was, the father had his shirt off, you know, and I, I was naked. And the camera zoomed in. Now, first, this is, this is a, a free tip here, okay? That was, the, that was the only picture I had, and I asked Holy Spirit to show me more. And then he showed me more. So if you get a picture, sometimes you just need to ask Holy Spirit to show you more because he likes engaging. He likes dialogue back and forth. All right, so I asked Holy Spirit to show me more. And then the camera zoomed in on the back of my neck. And on the back of my neck was a tattoo, little baby and it said Elohim in cursive I knew that was the name of God I couldn't remember what Elohim stood for so I looked it up Google Elohim means creator and judge and right as I read that definition the Lord the Lord said I'm your creator and judge therefore I'm the only one who has the right to judge you I created you I'm the only one who has the right to judge you and I've already declared my judgment you're my son in whom I'm well pleased. So the one who created you is the only one who has the right to judge you. Now, this goes the other way. I did not create Greg. I did not create Taylor. I don't have the right to judge them. Now, is this saying that we never speak truth into our, our friends' lives, those that we've given access and, and so on and so forth. No. Because we would be missing out on so much of the wisdom of God because God doesn't like Lone Rangers either. Last night, Jessica spoke something to me that just opened my eyes about, yeah, that's really good. I call Jessica Holy Spirit Jr., because it's usually Holy Spirit speaking through her. But, and so, but if I'm not willing to, to be teachable and moldable, I, I miss out on so much, especially when you become husband and wife. What we declare, what we say is, Jessica is, my, is 50% of my wisdom. I'm 50% of her wisdom. She's got to listen to me sometimes. <laughs> so, but are you sitting on the judgment seat? Hebrews Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. 
So we need to know the word. Now I want to talk about the law of words, why words are so powerful. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. This is not a cute saying. This is truth. This like literally means this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It says bitterness is rottenness to the bones. We know, I could tell you many, many stories of people forgiving someone else, releasing bitterness to, to Jesus, getting off the judgment seat, and them physically getting healed. I could spend the next 20 minutes telling you stories about that or more. But we don't have time for that. But I'm telling you, bitterness literally affects your body. Words literally have power. And, you, and it literally, literally bears fruit in your life, whether it's good or bad. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome, rotten, putrid, no longer fit for use, worn out word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word as is good for edification according to the need for the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. So the, the sword that you carry that's used for edification can actually give grace to somebody. Did you know you can give grace? Because you're partnering with the Lord? Because you're speaking his words? You actually can give grace to the hearer. When you, when you look at somebody and you're like, God, what are you saying over them? How do you want to encourage them? You actually can impart grace to them. My high school basketball coach is one of my favorite people in the world, Coach Rosine. How many of y'all ever heard me talk about Coach Rosine? So my senior year, we had an evening basketball practice. I went home, took a nap, and I overslept. And Jessica can tell you, I do not like being late places. I like being 15 minutes early. Even in college, I got to class 15 minutes early. I just like, that's just my thing. I like being at the airport two hours before, beforehand. Uh, amen right there. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's like, why stress yourself out? Just get there, relax, enjoy. Anyways. So <clears throat> I, was, I, got, I overslept, got late to practice. We were lifting weights before we went to practice. And my two best friends on the team just started busting my chops. Like, man, Travis. If you were, it's like, I just, you know, really wish you were devoted to the team. And they, they were saying these things because they knew that would get me. Your friends know how to get you, right? And I'm on the leg press machine. And I'm just mindlessly going through it. And I'm, and I'm not even fighting back. Normally, I'd be fighting back at these guys, hurling back. But I was so, I just was like, yeah, I was late, man. I was late. Maybe I don't care about my team. <laughs> Maybe I am sorry. And they're like, man, I just, just thought you were more devoted than this. And they're like kind of giggling and laughing. And then I just turned it on because I, I wasn't saying anything. They're like, they, they came and looked around me. I just had tears streaming down my face. And they said, Travis, Travis. I was like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I won't ever let you down again. I'm sorry. They're like, Travis, no. And they went and got Coach Rosine. Coach Rosine came in there. He's like, this is, this is how Coach Rosine walks into a room. 
This was his face. Just about 99% of the time. <laughs> Travis, what's going on, buddy? Goes, I'm sorry. I was late. I will run. Oh, I told him I was, I was volunteering for running laps. I was like, I, was, I will run extra after practice. I will do whatever you tell me to. Forgive me, God. I mean, no, you know, forgive me, coach, for, for coming late. And he's like, Travis, Travis. He's like, just, just be quiet. He said, look at me. He said, if there's anybody on this team, he said, there's nobody that works harder. There's, there's nobody more devoted. There's nobody who gives their heart more than you. He said, you ain't, you're not running. And I just fell in his arms and just started crying. <laughs> Almost started crying again. And I believe that about myself to this day. Coach, he would, he would look at me, and this, this is the power of your words, especially you guys who are teachers, coaches, mentors, whatever you do, somebody's looking up to you, and you say, and Coach Razane, he would always say, Travis, you're a warrior. You're a warrior. You don't give up, Travis. And that's one of the things that I believe about myself is like, by the grace of God, I don't give up. By the grace of God, I don't give up. Now, Travis... You leave me alone, apart from Jesus, I'll give up. But by the grace of God, who God made me to be in Christ, I don't give up. And so the law of words, there's a, there's a head and mouth connection. What, you, what comes out of your mouth affects what your mind believes or your heart believes. What your heart believes affects what comes out of your mouth. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. So it's talking about you, when you, the law of God's in your heart, you're going to utter wisdom. You're going to speak justice. Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now this, here's another story. So that's red circle there. That's my dad when he was two or three. He's got little overalls on and doesn't have any shoes on. So this is uh, South Georgia, probably about 1945. My grandma's holding his hand right there, and then the man in the uh, black jacket with tie and the hat on right beside my grandmother is my pappy. And so my dad was the first one of his family to go to college. They were all farmers. And he had uh, two older, well, he had uh, four older siblings. He was the first one to go to college. His parents were getting ready to send him off to Barrie from Durban, Georgia, which was like, you might as well have been sending him to New York City. Durban was a town of about 200 people. Everybody went to school in the same schoolhouse, like kindergarten through 12th grade. So it was, you know, not many kids and small community. So he's going to Berry College, and his older brother had tried to go to college and came back after three days. There, the day he's supposed to go off, they're walking to the bus station, and there was a man in town named 
Mr. Taylor, who was a prominent businessman in town and a good man. And Mr. Taylor saw him. He said, what, what are y'all doing? He said, what? And Pappy said, we're about to send Merle off to college. Yeah, he'll probably be like his brother and come back after a few days and kind of laughed, you know, just because they just didn't have high expectations. You know, they just thought everybody's going to form. And Mr. Taylor said, no, nah, something, something about Merle, I think he's going to make it. And my dad said he never, he just, it was like everything froze in time. And so he go to Barry, so he went off to Barry, and he said he'd get so homesick. He just wouldn't, he just would want to go back home. And he's just like this much eat. I just go back, go farm, do what I'm familiar. May he always hear Mr. Taylor's word says, no, nah, I think Merle's gonna make it. And this Mr. Taylor is in heaven now, but, and he probably had no idea what those words meant to my dad. It may have been one of the first things Jesus said to him. He was like, hey, look what you said to Merle. And it started a whole, it, it took the family tree this way. Your words affected their family for eternity. One, I think Merle's going to make it. I think Merle's going to make it. And so my dad always believed that. And it, held, it, it gave him strength. It gave my dad grace. It gave my dad grace. Now, is I think Merle's going to make it. Is that in the Bible? No. Is it something God thinks? Yes. Why does God think that about you? Because his son Jesus is in you. <laughs> I think you're going to make it. Mother Teresa said, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. And so what I want us to, to really be intentional about is the sword that God's given you. You have a sword whether you like it or not. You're in a war, whether you like it or not. But who, what are you using your sword against? Are you using it to strike down and destroy the works of the devil? Are you using it against your brother, against your sister, against your neighbor? Are you sitting on the judgment seat or, you're, or are you seated at the right hand of the Father? These are the things that you need to know where you're at because Jesus will ask you how, you, how did you steward your words? When we, when, for people who know Jesus, judgment day is not a, it's not a day of punishment. It's a day of reward. But the, what you're rewarded is based upon what you, how you were faithful with what was given to you. One of the things he gave you is this, your mouth. So how did you steward your words? How did you use your words? Did you use it to tear down or did you use it to build up? That's what New Testament prophecy is. It's building up and not tearing down.
Even the truth spoken in love carries grace with it. Jessica told me I need to start caring that she stubs her toe. Holy Spirit, in that moment, it was like, you know, smelling salts. And it gave grace to actually do that. So now when she gets a boo-boo, like she just burned her finger. I was like, how's that finger doing, honey? I, thought, I mean, honestly, three years ago, I'd been like, yeah, it's going to heal. <laughs> but now I'm like, how's the finger doing? Have I gotten better, honey? God, yes. Yeah, thank you. All right, so we're going to do something real quick. I want you, we're going to ask God to give you a person. They may be in this room. If not, we're going to text them. But I want, we're going to ask God, so God, pop the first person in my mind. <laughs> and you're going to give them an encouraging word. It could just be like, hey, you're going to make it. Or you got what it takes. Or it could be something else. But let's do that. I want you to just close your eyes. Holy Spirit, give each and every one of us a person right now. All right, first person that pops in, Holy Spirit doesn't take long. All right, if that person's here, before you leave, tell them something encouraging. But if they're somewhere else, I want you to text them right now. Go ahead and pull your phones out and text them. While you're texting, I'll tell a story. Steve Fish, who was here last week, he was a guy, Will Ford, who uh, is really a spearhead in racial reconciliation in the body of Christ. Years ago, Will had sent him an email, and Steve just made this comment at the bottom. He's like, hey, you should write a book about that. And it it was like a, the most encouraging thing Will had heard up to that point, and Will wrote not only that book, but he's, he's written three books. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, yeah, yeah, it was years later. So four or five years later, Steve gets a book in the mail, and it has Will Ford, author, on it. And so in the, uh, Will signed it, and he said, thanks for telling me and believing me in me to write this book. I said, I, I think he, Steve may have gotten the first copy. But Steve had no idea. He had almost forgotten about the comment, but it was just that, that thought that comes in your mind. You can, sometimes you can just, God speaks in those ways. And so you have that thought. It's like, hey, I'll just tell him to write a book. Or it's, it's something encouraging, it's something, but it may seem like something small. You need to say that. It's the Holy Spirit, okay? All right, I want to, um, Coach Mark, come up here, man. <laughs> um, Katie Johnson has told us uh, of all the awesome things you've been doing at Cedar Shoals 
mentoring those kids, coaching them, and also, you know, just your witness for Jesus. And uh, I want to I want to pray for Coach Mike because um, I've admired this man and and just through Katie's stories about him. And I just believe that he's the type of guy that God's raising up in this city to make it to true to make a difference on the front lines for the youth of Athens and the role that he plays as a coach and as a mentor is it makes an eternal difference. I can tell you from this. Coach Rosine, it's the it's. I would I would say it's probably a more powerful platform than than being a, a pastor or a preacher or something like that as being a coach because you're in the trenches with these with these kids. And so I want you to stand up and extend your hand towards Coach Mike. Father, we thank you, Lord, for raising up men like Coach Mike, God, who love you and who love your children. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would establish the work of his hands, Father, that your presence would be mighty and strong upon him, Lord, that you would anoint him and give him provision to do everything that's in his heart to do, Father. Lord, I just see grand dreams in his heart, Father, for the youth of this city. And Lord, we just, we ask, Father, that you would give him every resource Every word, every connection, everything, Father, for his dreams that you've placed in his heart to be made manifest. Father, we pray, Father, that you would fill his mouth with the words of life, God, with living water. Lord, we declare your protection over him. No weapon formed against him shall prosper, Father. Every tongue that rises up in accusation against him, Father, Holy Spirit will condemn. Lord, Father, we ask that you set your angels around about him. Father, that you hide him in the shadow of your wings, that he be completely hidden in Christ. Hide him in you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. So what I want us to do right now is we, I just want to, whatever cash you have, I want you to come up here and place it in his hand because it's, if we, if we pray and then like hope you have, get provided for, but we actually don't do anything, we're hypocrites. <laughs> so I want you to come up here
placed cash in his hand and just bless him. So you can come on up. Yeah, is your last name Scott? Mike Scott. <laughs> so he he was um, let go from Cedar Shoals for sharing the gospel with some students. He's are you still coaching up there? Or, and so we just pray that God provide another door of opportunity because he was um, a tremendous support for these for those kids there and we and we need him and others like him there yeah yeah let's just say let's say that let's say we're proud of you mike <laughs> we're proud of you mike yeah i just don't know i mean it's been it's been a battle it's been a battle and and God just been showing me so much. It's just been, you know, opening doors and just, and I know if God closed that door, he's about to open something way bigger. And I just rejoiced from that, Lord. And I wasn't mad. It's just that I just know. And I seen the wickedness. I seen the, the enemies trying to attack me and attack me and attack me over the last couple of years at Cedar. And, you know, the youth just flocked to me. They just followed me, you know. And I just started the word, and they wanted to get in it. And I just have a, I have a track club that I just I started, and we won nationals. And, and we just, I mean, we just started spreading the word. And, and we brought it back to the school the next year, and they started spreading it. It would be the top athletes, and all the athletes, you know, started getting it. They all got fellow Christian athlete Bibles. I ordered 50 Bibles, and everybody just started getting in it. And, and it grew, and it grew the harvest of it. Of it was just way bigger than I thought. I didn't never expect it to grow that big, and God just He just moved, and all the kids just wanted it. They just they was hungry for it. Nobody wasn't teaching them, and when you're not teaching them, they're not gonna want it because they're trapped in social media, they're trapped in their phones, they're trapped in everything else. So when I started teaching them, they wanted it. They wanted it. They wanted it, and it was hungry, and they was starting to spread it on their social media, and they and it just trickled down. They just started spreading it to their parents. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be like this. And, <laughs> and it just grew and it just grew. And I just, and they, I just felt, I just seen the enemy kept on coming against me. And it was worse and worse. But I just stood, stood in there with God. And I just trusted God and I stood on his word. And <laughs> here I am today. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not mad. I just rejoice because I know something big is about to happen. I know God's going to bring his wrath in there, but at the same time, it's like, I know. Like, they might not know it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen because that's what God's word says. And I just thank y'all, and I just thank God for y'all. And just, uh, y'all just don't know. It's a blessing. Yeah, we thank you, Jesus. <laughs> So if you want to give to him through Venmo. Venmo I'm, me and Mike are going to lunch today. Venmo me, and I'll give everything you send to Mike. If, unless you have Venmo. Yeah, he's got Venmo. Oh, then you straight. Don't Venmo me. So, yeah. Yeah, if you didn't have cash it, you wanna, and you want to give him something, you can Venmo him. The world of technology. And... Uh, <laughs> 
So, um, so as you go, as you leave, we're going to close out. Just give uh, Jesus thanks. We thank Jesus for all that he does. We thank you that he's always up to something new. Behold, he's doing a new thing. And uh, Jesus does not grow weary or tired. He fights for us. He doesn't sleep or slumber. He who sits in the heavens laughs. He's full of joy. He's in control and he loves you. And he says, I think you'll make it. I think you're going to make it. So, Father, we give you honor and thanks and glory and praise for all that you have done for us. You're kind. You're the kindest person we've ever met, Father, that you took our shame, you took our punishment on yourself. That is the kindest thing in the world, the most loving thing in the world. Teach us how to love like you, Jesus. We want to represent the Father the way you represented the Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember to give your word to the somebody if they were here or text it. And our people will be up here for prayer ministry. If anyone needs prayer ministry, we are free to go.